Eric, <laughs> I'm having How's issues. I keep breaking I equipment. What's wrong with me? <laughs> I don't know. That is, it's uh, you. You are a curse to headphones everywhere. I guess is. Uh, yeah, I suppose this, broke this. a pair, <laughs> like in October or something, and just now broke the replacement pair. There you go. Just snapped nice. them in half, like the Hulk. <laughs> The headphones. Nice behind the scenes taste of Hero Blend. I love it. That's great. Oh, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I got to see uh, a very, very special movie this week that yes, you uh, did. I can't fully talk about yet, but I can talk about it a little. Uh-huh. So yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm pretty uh, stoked right now. Yeah, I guess you are. Okay, everybody. <clears throat> now we've got some superhero TV stuff to talk about today. A variety of news topics, but first. Eric got to yeah. see all of Captain Marvel. I did. And he can only talk a tiny bit about it. So we're going to, to start off, have a non-segment segment that I like to call <laughs> Two Minutes Inside of Goose's Tentacles. <laughs> okay, like we're going to get a timer started. Producer Gabe, get ready. Now, Eric, what can you tell us? Uh, Captain Marvel is great. Uh, I am. I, I, I tweeted this out right after my screening, and we, we ran a big rundown about uh, critics' reactions on the site. But it is just it's it's super fun. It is one of like the few Marvel movies that I didn't necessarily know every single thing about the origin going in, just because I knew that they were changing things up. Right. In doing that, there are actually some legitimate surprises, and I mean, and not only for surprises for people who like think that they figured stuff out. There are some stuff. There's some stuff that really goes an extra step beyond. Uh, Brie Larson is absolutely fantastic as uh, the titular character, but it's also a film that has a fantastic supporting cast like Samuel Jackson. For starters, the de-aging technology, you literally just forget about it. It just becomes that good. It just looks like young uh, Nick Fury, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, So, and he is I will say, though, it helps that he doesn't look that much older than he did back then. It's very true. Yes. (laughs) For for, for a 70-year-old man, he is, uh, he looks fantastic. So, uh, but uh, his relationship with uh with uh, Carol Danvers as they go across uh, go through this adventure is just ridiculously fun and it just they have a fantastic banter between them that just like both the, both of their charisma is just at level 10 uh, for mm-hmm. this entire film. Really really fantastic. Uh I will say it's another film that continues the awesome trend of really cool Marvel villains. Yeah. Uh, and oh, I won't go too far into that mm-hmm. uh, because there are, like I said, some big twists and turns that people really can't be expecting at this point. Okay. Uh, and I'm even afraid that even saying that will kind of like lure people into some regions that they might not have otherwise gone into. Uh, and uh, I guess I am probably running out of time, but I will say that uh, <laughs> like I will like goose uh, as like, to be, be named after the, to like speak to the namesake of this segment, Goose is an absolute steam stealer. Absolutely incredible. Cool. If you're a cat lover, especially like I am, you'll definitely have an extra appreciation. And for Nick Fury's love of cats, it's wonderful. Awesome. Ding. <laughs> Done. Awesome. <laughs> you managed to just work that in. I did. <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, I can't wait to see it. Hopefully I'll be able to see it a co- at least a couple of days before it comes out. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you'll be seeing it probably another five or six times between now and then. Oh, I saw it twice this week. I should mention oh that. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't rub it in, okay? Hey, when I see a movie that I'm excited for, I want to see it twice. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Okay. What uh, was the reaction like in your screening? 
Uh, the reaction is incredibly positive. I mean, just the audience. Uh, I, I mean, I don't want to go too far beyond uh, what like what the, my rea- opinion is because, uh, as you were mentioning, like the social embargo is lifted, so I can talk about it in a limited capacity. But the full review embargo is not going to be up until uh, basically week of release. We'll be able to talk about it more then. Um, but uh, the like audience was laughing throughout. I had the chance to talk to a lot of my colleagues just in the movie theater lobby after the screening, and we're all just incredibly happy with how it turned out. Like uh, every like every Marvel movie, like we obviously go in with a certain level of expectations, just given what we've seen so far. And uh, yeah, there's I mean there there are of course people that didn't love it as much, and it is worth noting that when you have these kind of social media embargoes, typically the one like people aren't going to just rush to like really hate on a film. Uh, But at the same time, I didn't meet anyone. I didn't talk to anyone outside the theater that hated it or thought it was a terrible movie. So, you know, there we are. Yeah. Would you say it met your expectations or blew past them? It met my expectations. Uh, It's like, I mean, yeah, like I said, I can't get too far into it, but uh, it's, it's definitely one of the, one of my favorite uh, of the Marvel origin stories. Okay. All right. Oh, I'm so excited. And you rubbing it in that you've seen it like 87 (laughs) times already this week. My goodness. Okay, now we have some news to get to. I'm going to start off with um, some box office info. Apparently, Aquaman is the Atlantean who just won't quit because his film has now topped Batman versus Superman at the U.S. box office. And people are thinking it might pass Wonder Woman. Um, It's now made $331 million in the domestic uh, box office, which is U.S. and Canada. And Batman versus Superman made over $330 million here. Now, to beat Wonder Woman, though, it would have to top that movie's domestic take of $412,563,408. Down to the penny, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think it'll actually make it? How much longer could it have in theaters? It's been out for like a little over three months or something now, hasn't it? Uh, It has. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah, because we are coming to the end of February. Yeah. Time moves fast. Anyway, um, the answer is no. Uh, Wonder Woman will definitely reign supreme. uh, Just because, like, it, 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 like, you can't, I mean... Obviously, Aquaman has done absolutely incredibly. It's like it is the most successful DC uh, movie of all time, as we discussed mm-hmm. last week. Uh, however, it's gonna have to let the domestic record go, and that's fine. I mean, because Wonder Woman is just like equally awesome, and so like yeah. there's still a lot to appreciate. Uh, and Aquaman, obviously, like you can't really like turn up your nose at the amount of money that it's made. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, so I think like it's one of those things. And Aquaman, as we discussed, is not a movie that we even had like huge expectations for box office wise. We didn't know how it was going to do against uh, Spider-Man and uh, Mary Poppins, but it ended up being the biggest hit of all of them by far. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, I will also just add that like uh, Jumanji last year, you may remember it went on that ridiculous box office tear. Like I think it was like number one at the box office right up until like it was going up against Black Panther. But as soon as the home video release came out, it basically just completely disappeared. Right. Aquaman is going to be coming to Blu-ray fairly, fairly soon. So even if like you were to keep it in theaters for the next like six months to try and get it to beat Wonder Woman, people just are going to stop going as soon as yeah. they can watch it in their living room. So yeah, yeah, that is true. Okay, I, just amazing what that right? what that movie has done. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> now, people have been talking about Blade for some time now. 
okay, somebody mocked up actor mm. Mahershala Ali as Blade. You can see the um, uh, the the actual photo on CinemaBlend.com. Why are there face tattoos? I mean, I think <laughs> I think he'd be a pretty good. He's a good actor in general, so I think he'd work as Blade. Uh, mm. Why are there face tattoos? Uh, I think it is. I mean, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, there are versions. I think even maybe like Wesley Snipes might have rocked him in Blade Trinity. Uh, I feel like that it, was it should his be hair. Noted, uh, I think that was his hair styled. To oh, look, it was just styled like that. Maybe yeah, that's just styled to look like of. patterns on the side of his head. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, okay. like, I, I think, I mean, this obviously isn't official in any capacity. In fact, it's this guy named. Uh, goes, I think he goes by the handle Boss Logic on right. Twitter, and he, he does a lot. Of the, he does a lot of these mock-ups and things exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I honestly say that the only thing that I feel like, I mean, I'd like, I, I mean, Mahershala Ali is a phenomenal actor. Obviously, he already won an Academy Award. Uh, he's yeah. like possibly going to be winning another one this weekend. Uh, I think we are weirdly forgetting that he already exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He played uh, Cottonmouth. Uh, he was in, yeah, he played Cottonmouth in the first season of Luke Cage. So, like, but he's dead, and, I, and, the, and that character's dead. And if he's going to have face tattoos, true. if they if they bring Blade back, is anybody going to care that much? Plus, I have to say, if they bring Blade back, that would happen maybe like five, ten years from now. Like, that's not going to happen anytime soon. I mean, especially because of the whole Disney Fox deal, which is going to see yeah. eventually the introduction of uh, the X Men and Fantastic Four. And like, if you can turn your attention towards those projects, you probably should turn your attention towards those projects. Right. Uh, also worth mentioning, and it's a less significant scale. And I know, like, I'm taking down the argument that I just made. But uh, Alfred Woodard, who also obviously starred in Luke Cage as Mariah Dillard, mm-hmm. also had that very small role in Civil War to kind of motive and ultimately motivate. Tony Stark to yeah. uh, go to uh, in favor of registration. So uh, we have seen, obviously, some mm-hmm. actors kind of duplicate roles. In fact, uh, I remember that there's another actor, I'm forgetting his name, uh, who, like, he's in both, I think, the uh, All like all Hail the King short uh, Marvel short one shot uh, mm-hmm. featuring with Ben Kingsley. And he's also, uh, he plays uh, Gladiator on Daredevil. So that stuff kind of happens sometimes. Uh, yeah. But... Not anything on the scale of, I guess, Blade. So right. uh, I now, guess I wouldn't necessarily take it off, but... Yeah. I have to yeah. say, though, if they do eventually bring Blade back, I know exactly what I need to have happen, even uh-huh. if it's just for a few seconds, okay? They need to have Blade meet Deadpool, because uh-huh. Ryan Reynolds was in that third Blade movie that they Blade made. Trinity. That, it's already a perfect <laughs> meta moment in my mind. They have to do uh-huh. that. That has to have some kind of reference to it, for sure. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. If you have the opportunity, I say, why not? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, Zendaya's MJ, Look, it looks like she's going to be getting a weapon in Spider-Man Far From Home. There's, mm-hmm. um, you know, some uh, some Funko Pop concept for MJ's new figure that'll be coming out this year. And the shows are holding... A morning star, which if you don't know what that looks like, it's a ball with spikes on it attached to the, a stick, basically. A very mm-hmm. dangerous looking stick. Um, and she's holding it quite convincingly in this little figurine. Yeah. I. This, of course, brings up some questions. Why <laughs> does she need a weapon? She has not previously been a fighter. We don't know if she's good at fighting. Sure. And also, 
why does she have such an old timey weapon? I don't think anybody <laughs> uses those anymore when they fight. Uh, the only thing I, I mean, and this is obviously all speculation, but the thing that just immediately springs to mind is that they're at that, like we're, there's going to be that sequence at Tower Bridge, and the Tower of London is basically a museum uh, full of like okay. old ancient weaponry and all that kind of stuff. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if that's ultimately where it comes mm-hmm. from. Again, that's pure speculation. Uh, at the same time, I love it. Uh, I love like because yeah. I mean like. Mary, like MJ, uh, this version is obviously Michelle, but like Mary Jane, like in the comics, we've regularly seen her as the damsel in distress. Right. Kind of, like as a society, I think we are kind of over that trope, obviously. Like mm-hmm. there are going to be circumstances where men save women. However, do we need to see it every time? No. Yeah. Like w- women should be able to just take care of themselves right. as they do in real life. And if, you know, they're on a field trip or whatever and some elemental stuff goes down and she's got access to a weapon, most people are... You know, there's going to be like half of the people who run and the other half are going to grab a weapon. Exactly. And yeah, and uh, and good for her. And like I said, like and also, I mean, there is the fact that like Spider-Man might be fighting against an elemental and she's kind of left to deal with like deal with her own conflict that requires a weapon. So, you know, yeah, it's uh, totally. Yeah, it's a good move. I'm very happy to see it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited. I hope that's real. Yeah, and if oh, I mean, I, I think it is. I think that came out of Toy Fair, which is usually fairly official okay. stuff. So, all right, yeah. okay. And we also heard this week that Gwyneth Paltrow is going to be departing the MCU after Avengers Endgame. She says she'd be willing to come back in a cameo capacity, but not for anything bigger. That kind of suggests she she lives mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. Um, and she also says she feels like she's too old. She's forty six now to be in a suit. At this point, I, I'm assuming she means a superhero suit, which also suggests that she does really become an official hero in Endgame as well. Um, not to like hate. I'm not trying to hate on Gwyneth Paltrow. She was good pepper pots. But mm-hmm. like, is anybody devastated? Well, I mean, <laughs> at this like, point, I, I, yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you. And I mean, the reality is also like can't, when she says like she'd be willing to come back in a cameo capacity. That's pretty much the only capacity that she's come back in in any form since uh, the Iron end Man of 3, Iron Man Three, yeah, which was 2013, aka six years ago. So, uh, I mean, like, I, I, I mean, Pepper Potts is a cool. Ca- I mean, if we want actual, uh, and we kind of knew that uh, a little bit, sort of, that uh, she was gonna survive. Uh, Endgame, if not just because of the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, which you can see uh, Happy Hogan carrying that che- that giant check, which is signed by Pepper Potts. Yeah. So, uh, well, maybe not literally, but you, presumably she is still alive. So, like, there was kind of an inkling there. Uh, but to your point, like, Pepper really has in the MCU kind of just been used as a dramatic device for Tony in some ways. Like, mm-hmm. she is kind of like his p- push-pull between, like, doing the right thing and kind of right. uh, letting his inner demons out. And obviously, like, in Civil War, he had his, like, the relationship broken. And then in uh, Avengers Infinity War, they're ready to get married. So, or I'm saying, actually, that's in Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, so, like, I mean, like you said, uh, I don't think that we're going to overly mourn the, like, no more Pepper Potts. If not yeah. just because, like, especially, like, if... We're not, we don't know what uh, Tony Stark's future is, and it definitely wouldn't make a ton of sense to see a lot more of Pepper Potts if we're not going to see a mm-hmm. lot more of Tony Stark. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not like Who she runs. She doesn't really like run stuff or anything. Sure. She's not an inventor. <laughs> Even if she does become a hero in Endgame, we're assuming that a lot of dusted heroes are going to come back, right? Especially if 
she and Tony have had a kid or are about to have a kid, it makes <laughs> sense that she would step back from that once the other heroes come back. Well, hopefully they both would. <laughs> like, I would expect Tony to do that as right. well. Like, actually, like, let the next generation kind of take over, which, yeah, that's totally fine. And, well, I mean, I, we still have absolutely no idea how, like, if there's going to be a transition, we still don't know, like, the full details of it. Uh, but, yeah, only a couple more months at this point. So, yeah, good stuff. Okay, guys, Zack Snyder is so sad still about not being able <laughs> oh. to fulfill his vision for the DCEU. He keep as you, I'm sure, know by now, he keeps putting posts on Vero. That's a social media platform that I think only he uses it, really. I was going to say, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the only reason we know what it is is because he keeps posting, uh, you know, DC stuff on there. And he has now said an official goodbye to Ben Affleck's Batman in a very poetic and emotional post that I will now read for you. <laughs> There was a time above, a time before. There were perfect things, diamond absolutes. But things fall, things on earth. And what falls is fallen. In the dream, it took me to the light. A beautiful lie. Best Batman ever. Thank you, my friend, for blessing me with that fucking glorious chin and an amazing heart. Damn, Eric. Like, what is this dude going through? Uh, he seems to be a little upset, uh, about this. And I mean, and I don't blame him. I mean, like things were definitely going better for Zack Snyder's career before, uh, DC. Like, I think there was just a lot more like, I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, I really don't like Sucker Punch. I don't, I think that's just a legitimately bad film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I, there's a, I think there's a lot to like. I mean, we had a whole, uh, an episode where we talked about, uh, Watchmen, Watchmen and like yeah. our appreciation for that film. And also like, I mean, I'll defend, I, I am a person who defends Man of Steel. However, uh, yeah, like Batman v Superman and Justice League and like, and it's, it's not been a pretty road when it comes to just like yeah. what he's been doing. And he, I mean, at the same time though, and this is something that I always consider just as a film critic, which is that movie making is hard. It is a hard, hard endeavor with yeah. a lot of people involved and a lot of different things pulling you one way or another. And like to actually finish a film is an extraordinary effort by itself. And so like, and in making these movies, I'm sure that Zack Snyder did create a intense emotional like re- a relationship with his yeah. work, and that obviously includes uh, his vision of Ben Affleck as Batman, mm-hmm. and uh, that vision is no longer a presence in cinema. So, like, yeah. I mean, I, I I can understand why like he would be emotional. Upset. Yeah, uh, the wording is odd. Uh, <laughs> not to like. <laughs> It's very dramatic. Out of it. it's, it's very dramatic. It's very, it very, uh, very dramatic. Which I guess you know shouldn't be that surprising for a filmmaker, I suppose. But yeah, you know, it's not just you know, like just the last sentence. Thank you, my friend, for blessing me. Blah blah blah. That would have been enough and completely understood. But sure. he went like balls to the wall with this. <laughs> <laughs> he did. To his credit. Uh, also, not sure I agree with the whole best Batman ever. Uh, I mean, I get well, that. Well, he also, he started yeah. that sentence by saying it was a beautiful lie. What do you think he meant oh, by I that? Guess. Huh. Just that he, he never really expected it to fully work or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting thought. I mean, I don't think it's an insult, but, uh, I mean. It's weird. Okay. <laughs> it it's is weird. weird. It's a little weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, I mean, 
yeah, I don't know. I like Christian Bale's Batman and Michael Keaton's uh, Bruce Wayne. That's how I'll just, uh, I think we'll complete, can conclude this, that segment on, on the, to okay. this, this, this portion of the discussion. All right. <laughs> now, of course, Matt Reeves is looking for a new Batman, a younger Batman now. Um, and there were rumors going around that Army Hammer would possibly be replacing Ben Affleck. Actually, there were rumors saying he was in final talks to take over as Batman in the upcoming solo movie. Um, but that's now been checked out by a reporter with the studio and Army Hammer's agency, apparently. And they're saying that those reports were false. Um, Shocker. <laughs> OK, what do you think about this? Were you uh-uh. hoping that that was true or what? Oh, I, I'm like, I mean, I will say, like, I put no stock in the rumor just because, like, its source is a source that I don't personally like. I'm not overly familiar with and don't recognize, like, their I, I don't want to say legitimacy because that's probably not fair. However, like there are sites that, that run that run rumors that I don't necessarily give as much credence as I do to say like the Hollywood Reporter or Variety. Right. So uh, I never like fully believed this report. Mm-hmm. That being said, Army Hammer definitely on board with that. Like I I, I think Army even Hammer even as a is, blonde, even as a blonde. I'll t- I mean, he can always dye his hair. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah, like I'm, and he probably has. I mean, I can't necessarily think off the top of my head, but I mean, uh, so, but you know, uh, like, but he certainly, he has the height. Like he, he is certainly is built true. to be Batman. Uh, and also, I mean, it's worth mentioning that he was previously in the running. He was going to be playing, he was going to play Batman in the film that, or actually wait. Yeah. No, it was he was. Su- wasn't uh, it Superman? The- I thought he got cast as Superman in some no, that- Justice League no- movie that didn't get the- made. That, no, it was the it's the George Miller Justice League, but it was DJ uh, Controna that was cast as Superman. Army oh, okay. Hammer was going to be Batman, though. He, it is weird that like he is now. I mean, that George Miller's uh, Batman or Justice League movie was in development. I think around two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, it has almost. Been, it's weird that it has been a decade, and yet at the same time, he's still uh, so as, as young enough uh, compared to Ben Affleck that he still should be considered for a young Batman. Uh, and I think. Did I? I didn't name drop him last week, but I think he was on my uh, short list, uh, like the extended short list version that we during our uh, discussion about uh, who should, who should our be potential casting, casting for yeah. Batman. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. So if like, while like I said, I never really put any stock in this actual rumor, and uh, the reality is, I expect to be hearing a like. This is not going to be a case of like one actor steps in and he immediately gets the part. This is not going to be one of those situations. Oh, this is right, going to be a situation right. where like trades are going to like send out reports of shortlists that give us like the full range of actors. Like that they eventually... did with with Han Solo. Exactly. I mean, it's the same for every major part because the yeah. reality is the studio is not going to gamble on saying that the one guy that they bring in is the, their guy. Uh, like, I mean, hell, I mean, with uh, with uh, Ben Aff- when Ben Affleck was being cast as Batman, I'm fairly certain. Uh, I feel like I should check this, but note just note in this my. Uh, Questioning, but I think Josh Brolin was actually uh, considered for a while for that hmm. part before it ultimately went to Ben Affleck. So, uh, I mean, th- that's just the nature of these things. It's, it's never just like yeah. I know exactly who I want, and this is the person who I'm getting. So, mm-hmm. uh, we're we're we're, we're going to be hearing about this development for a while. Yeah, I have to say, I am fine with Army Hammer not not being Batman. Not being Batman. It, okay. it might have turned out well and enjoyable, but I have some issues with Army Hammer. 
I can't quite explain them because I've never actively disliked him in anything, okay? Uh I've never avoided a movie because he had a major part in it. (laughs) But at the same time, when I see him, something doesn't feel right. (laughs) And that is on screen as a character and just in interviews. Uh Something just is off about the dude to me. And I feel like, well, frequently it takes me out of whatever I'm watching him do. (laughs) Okay. I mean, a- I, I, like, I mean, I like for what it's worth, like I, I mean, I, like I love his performances in like in Social Network, and uh, he was in a movie called Free Fire recently, or, like that I really enjoyed, and I've actually interviewed him a couple times, and yeah. he's always come across as a uh, nice fella. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, don't know I, I assume I'm not going to change immediately change your mind on this, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what it's worth. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. glad he didn't like try to serial kill you. When he met sure. you or whatever, but that's great. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm pretty happy about that also. <laughs> it just feels weird about that guy to me. So, okay. uh, you know, you know, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of rumors and movie characters, apparently now they're saying Eric that Harley Quinn will show up for Suicide Squad too. Right. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Now yeah. we talked before about how um, either James Gunn. Or Warner Brothers and DC or both had apparently decided that the cast for Suicide Squad 2 was going to be all new and there were going to be no returning characters. Now they're saying that that's not true and she is going to be in the movie. Um, And there's not with a lot of these like with a lot of these things, there's not an official confirmation that, you know, the character is going to be in it. But sources close to the production are saying that she'll be around, but they haven't said how much. So. You know, I, I'm. This makes more sense to me. Even if there's just a brief scene, just one scene, to help bring like some connective tissue to it, I think that's fine. Do you think? Do you think they possibly changed their minds because of fan displeasure over the rumor that she wouldn't be in it? Uh, no, I can't imagine it's that far. If not just because, like, I can't imagine Warner Brothers would make that call with James Gunn. Like, James Gunn, like, at this point, kind of weirdly in his own way, holds a lot of cards. Yeah. Uh, like, Warner Brothers is very happy to have him working on this film. Uh, obviously, he has a lot of support from fans. So uh, I definitely don't think that there's going to be any kind of, like, jamming uh of just Harley Quinn in there just for the sake of including Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, like for all the reasons that we were talking about last week, like I still don't really fully understand why you have Harley Quinn. And like, uh, I mean, and it's worth noting that uh, where all this might like fan out, it kind yeah. of depends also on the, whatever happens in uh, birds of prey, just That's because true. clearly she's going to be playing a very important role in that. Yeah. But like, and when this, when suicide squad two is going to be set compared to birds of prey and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And, and like, and, and, and that's true. I mean, it might even be a prequel. Who knows? Uh, but, uh, it actually probably can't be a prequel. Well, I guess it could be a prequel to birds of prey, but not necessarily. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, uh, not to just to get into that, but, but like, yeah, I, the thing is like Harley Quinn just is not, incredibly useful on this kind of team and that's kind of just what I ultimately go back to right. and I get that Warner Brothers was very very in the development of Suicide Squad like there are Suicide Squad comics that do include her like I said she's not like an original team she's not like a staple of that series and but I think what ultimately happened was Warner Brothers just became completely enamored with creating a live action version of this character and it didn't necessarily fit with what's going on. And like, and even if you watch David Ayer's Suicide Squad, like 
what does she really do other than like like almost betray, almost screw up the entire thing because of the Joker which like mm-hmm. because the Joker comes to rescue her like it almost completely screws up the entire mission and just and she bashes those like weird like rock guys yeah. with her bat I feel like there was one point in the movie I haven't seen it since it came out where she sure. did talk somebody into doing the right thing <laughs> I feel like that happens. Is that at even one point. how it should be? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I like I. I'm barely remembering this myself, and I actually saw it twice in theaters. Which now that I'm even saying it out loud, I'm saying, Eric, why the hell did you do that? But uh, because you couldn't help yourself, <laughs> Eric. Come on. <laughs> I guess I have to balance it out. I see Captain Marvel in theaters twice. I have to see Suicide Squad twice also. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So I mean, like. We'll see how it works. I mean, like I said, I mean, James Gunn might have an amazing idea for Harley Quinn. She, like, like, and maybe it's even, like, she, the, the Suicide Squad is going after her. Like, I don't, like, that's an awesome way to put it on it. Like, and just, like, maybe she has a relationship with this in the past and she kind of knows the, the in and outs of the operation. And so, like, they're going after her. Like, so, I trust James Gunn to come up with something. Mm-hmm. Uh, this whole back and forth is kind of silly, just obviously, but, like, the speculation and rumor machine is non-stop and we're gonna always see back and forth like just we like we did with uh, the armor hammer thing right so uh yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. all right now we know dc and warner brothers they're going through some changes right now but zachary levi who's playing shazam is saying that he still hopes to have his character join the justice league at some point on the big screen um he talked about how nice Jason Momoa was, basically, <laughs> at Comic-Con <laughs> by welcoming him to the team and everything. And, of course, when he signed on to do this movie, there, I'm sure he had, you know, an idea, possibly had even been told that at some point, you know, his character would be, you know, an official member of the big screen Justice League. And, of course, now DC and Warner Brothers they're not um, committed to doing big team-up movies or to having solo movies that lead to one big team-up movie story. So uh, do you think we'll even see another Justice League movie in this current iteration of the DCEU? I mean, I think once they get their act together, once they kind of, like, get back on solid footing, and, I mean, part of that, I mean, the reality is right now, like, the holy trinity of DC, Batman, uh, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonder Woman is obviously doing just fine. Wonder Gal Gadot fine. is Everybody awesome. Everybody else She's is great. screwed up. Right now, we have no idea who's <laughs> playing Batman, and we have zero clue about the status of Henry Cavill as Superman. Yeah. And so, like, until you firm that kind of stuff up, you really shouldn't be thinking about a Justice League movie at That's all. That's true. Um, so, but, but, I mean, but that is kind of the point. Like, Warner Brothers, like, uh, has come out saying, like, yeah, maybe we built this too fast, so we right now we're going to focus on this. Yeah. And, like, until they are at a point where they are, they have like a firm plan of exactly what they want to do and like are starting to put out like literally just at least one movie every single year and mm-hmm. have like a large scale plan. Uh, like until they get to a point where they are like in a really confident place. And by the way, they might be on the road there right now. I mean, Aquaman was a success. Last week I talked about uh, the footage that I got to see from Shazam that made me really excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is coming up that obviously has a lot of anticipation. Uh, that, like, and they have and Birds of Prey and the Suicide Squad. Like, so they are cooking up interesting stuff, but yeah. they have to get into the groove that Marvel Studios has where they are kind of just being a consistent force. And once they establish that, then they can start thinking about kind of the bigger world building again. Right. But like, 
the idea of that happening before 2025 sounds like uh like impossible yeah yeah <laughs> and i have yeah. to say all right zachary we like you but don't get greedy okay <laughs> you got your solo film and ain't nobody finna see that cyborg movie and we thought that was a definite for several years <laughs> that's okay. a fair point yeah right <laughs> nothing's a given in this universe so you know you are ahead of and for that matter we still don't know what's happening with the flash yeah you know like a true. major dc hero so you know like count your blessings over there <laughs> and just like slow down a bit <laughs> right just like yeah you, you got a solo film you may get a sequel if it's successful enough right. and we'll, we'll think about justice league uh when we get there yeah, yeah. you know Keep some of your dreams to yourself. We don't need to know everything. <laughs> well, I, in his defense, I'm sure a reporter asked him uh, just yeah, about probably. The, like joining it. So, yeah. His All right. But. Not entirely Zachary's fault. All right. Right. <laughs> okay. Let's now, do some small screen, yeah? yeah? Yeah. Let's get into some Marvel TV developments. As we talked about last week, lots of stuff has been happening in Marvel TV. Hulu now has this entire slate of animated stuff that they're going to be doing. And um, DC Universe, not DC Universe, Disney Plus. There it is. <laughs> See, here's the problem. Already, Eric, no, too I many know. streaming services. <laughs> it's a problem. I'm telling you, it's a problem that's coming for all of us. Disney Plus is working on a Loki show, and it just, you know, dedicated a Rick and Morty writer as showrunner, uh, Michael Waldron. Is also going to be creating, executive producing, and writing the pilot. Um, and the show, we now know, will see Loki popping up throughout human history and influencing important events, which sounds perfect for him. But with the, you know, assigning a Rick and Morty person, which I admit I've only seen one episode of that show. I couldn't get past the Whoa. burping. Whoa. <laughs> okay, well, the burping does calm down. You have to watch the rest of this show, though. Uh, yeah, that, that's just a complete side note. But continue. Do, do you think, okay, do you think this means, though, that they're going in like a slightly odd, oddball direction with this Loki show? Uh, I think that's probably a fair bet. I mean, like, I, I think, like, I mean, it does, because, like, the guy, in addition to uh, doing Rick and Morty, like, he is basically a Dan Harmon guy, because he also uh, worked on uh, Community, which is one of my awesome. favorite shows yeah. of all time. And, uh, you know, like, I mean, Loki is at his best when he is being a trickster, when he's being clever, when he's being funny, when he's, like, being kind of, as you say, oddball. So, like, I actually wouldn't be surprised. And also just, like, the entire setup for this show where you're just kind of seeing him at various moments in history, like, I, I feel like, A, it's, I love that that strategy. Like, I just think that is the ultimate yeah. idea because, like, obviously, like, a lot has happened within recent years. We know, have, we have a very solid idea of what Loki has been doing in that time. However, this is a guy who has been alive for, like, thousands of years. Like, yeah. there, like he has stories to tell. He, like, he was, like, he convinced, uh, like, he was obviously down in, like, Norway and stuff, like, convincing people that he was a trickster god uh, back in, like, the old centuries. And so like, yeah, yeah so I, 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 I like do very much expect weirdness out of it. I'm curious how it's going to all tie together, but yeah, they're literally every single little detail that came out about uh, the development of this show this week has me infinitely more excited for it. Okay. All right. Um, and also we got, you know, some not so great news this the week out. Yeah. about 
Marvel TV shows, but uh, this is not so great news that we pretty much have known was going to be coming for a few months now. Jessica Jones and The Punisher have been canceled at Netflix. This happened just a few days ago. Um, Even though, you know, Jessica Jones season three is going to be airing some hitting Netflix at some point this year. Um, and the execs actually said that they felt it wasn't fair to fans to wait to announce the cancellation until, you know, after the show aired or whatever, or, you know, once that final decision had been made. Swinging um, over its head. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and John Bernthal and Kristen Ritter have said their thanks on social media to the fans and everything like that. Um I don't know what to say about this. Like I said, we knew we knew it was coming, right? There's no yeah. way that they were going to let... That, there's just no way that Jessica Jones and Punisher were going to continue when, you know, the other shows had already been canceled. Literally just Daredevil. When Daredevil... When you cancel Daredevil... Nothing is surviving. Like literally, right. that was like that was their staple show uh, for the Marvel Netflix. The show universe. that started so, like, it all. Yep. So, like, what is interesting about this news breaking out this week is that like Bia, like Jeff Loeb, who's the executive producer of these shows, the head of Marvel Television, uh, one of the heads of Marvel Television, uh, basically saying that it's not Marvel's decision. If it was up to Marvel, it they would continue these shows for as long as possible. And uh, but this was Mar- Netflix's choice, and basically it was because. They uh, are now going to be directly competing with Disney Plus. Uh, like not only yeah. who are going to be having their own original content, as we just talked about with Loki, mm-hmm. but it's also worth noting that Disney had a contract with Netflix uh, that they're now breaking. Like there was actually like I think a story that broke within the last couple of uh, weeks or days that said uh, like that Captain Marvel is going to be the first. Disney movie that doesn't go to Netflix right. because they are breaking their contract with them. And so, again, why why would Netflix want to be in the Disney game as popular as the Disney game is and obviously as, as big as they are? Yeah. When you get burned by that kind of stuff, it's not kind of something that you're inclined to just kind of continue doing. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say... I'm not really that sad about... Well, yeah. for one thing, I was sort of prepared for it. Like I said, we've known that this was coming for a while. But Jessica Jones, uh, for me, is like the least of the Marvel Netflix shows. Um, uh-huh. Even with... Even, Iron even, Fist? Even, Adrian. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> See? See, here's the problem. I hate that show so much. I forgot it happened, Eric. <laughs> Why did you do that to me? I was in, I, I was living I, 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 in blissful you, you, ignorance <laughs> of the travesty that was Iron Fist <laughs> for once since that show uh, came out. <laughs> sorry. My okay, bad. so Jessica Jones is, you know, above Iron Fist by uh, quite a bit, but still, you know, not as good as Daredevil and all that kind of kind of stuff. So I'm not I'm not even really looking forward to the third season. Are you looking forward to the third season of Jessica Jones? And it's been a long time. It's, hasn't it been like two, at least two years since it's the been second a season? Um, and like, and the second season definitely. Like, I, I really dug the first season of Jessica Jones. Uh, like, I think it was just a really strong treatment, and I think a lot of it also came from uh, David Tennant's presence as Kilgrave, right? Uh, who just, by the way, also continued just continued the streak that they the uh, really awesome uh, Marvel Netflix villains because this was obviously where we had uh, Kingpin, where we had Cottonmouth, where, like so yeah. that was great. Uh, season two. 
a lot weaker. In fact, like right. it's just like I, I like I barely even remember episodes. I'd have to rewatch the entire thing to really just like I remember this. There was this whole thing with her mom and like, yeah. but even like there's so many family dramas within the Marvel Universe that it's uh, kind of even hard to keep it straight. Yeah. And so like season three, I mean, I'll watch it and uh, like I'll like because I also really I do really enjoy uh, Kristen Ritter's performance. I think she's yeah. really fantastic. Uh, but. I mean, yeah, so, like, I'm not, it's not the, honestly, like, kind of the biggest thing, ultimately, in this, in, it does tie back to Iron Fist, I'm sorry, I have to talk about this more, Mm. but, uh, like, you might as well, you brought it up. Exactly, but, I mean, like, this, like, they had such a strong thing going with Daredevil Season 1, Jessica Jones, Daredevil Season 2, Luke Cage, and then Iron Fist came, and, like. Do you think that ruined it somehow? I think, honestly, because up to that point. Just broke the momentum? Like, because it wasn't only just Marvel Netflix. It was like the Marvel Cinematic Universe up to that point had didn't really have any like total misfires. Like even like the weakest stuff, like Thor of the Dark World, worked on a basic level. Like at the very least, it had some stuff that you can enjoy. Yeah. Iron Fist was a train wreck, and like it really took a lot of the shine off the apple. And then Defenders, like. Was, not that big of I mean, a deal. It, it was okay, but it yeah. was really mad. Like the hand again, like not having a very, a, a really like strong antagonist was really a big problem. And like Luke Cage season two, like I was late to, but I ultimately did like, but again, not nearly as strong as season one, mm-hmm. uh, daredevil season three, uh, I liked it again, not nearly as strong as season one and two. So it's just like, and like I said, Jessica Jones and like, so as these, sh- as the shows did continue, they did kind of get weaker and weaker. Uh, not, and also Punisher, like I guess season one and two were probably on the same level. Uh, but I just, yeah. yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't like once, once Iron Fist hit it again, like it just kind of changed some mentality about the show in a weird way. Mm hmm. Also, yeah. I have to say, I did see somewhere in the reporting about um, Jessica Jones being canceled that season three is going to be 13 episodes. And I thought, oh, God, not again. I can't. I can't do it. That's too many. That's too many. <laughs> it's yeah. It's, I mean, like, I, mean I, I, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but it is like a weird push and pull in the industry because like when you think about it, like 13 episodes versus, say, eight or 10 episodes is more jobs. It means that there are more writers being hired, more yeah. filmmakers, more studio production. Like, so it is kind of good for the industry just to have more content. That being said, we also live in a universe where there is an endless amount of content. And so like, yeah. maybe you can just like, maybe trim a little bit back here mm-hmm. and there in advance of other things, because like that is ulti- like, even like, like, obviously I have a lot of nice things to say about the Marvel Netflix shows, but I don't think there is a single one of them that wouldn't benefit from slicing out at least Being one or trimmed. two episodes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And because they, it's just like, and, and like, it's a, it's a much worse problem on network television. Obviously where, have, where they're like, shooting for 22 yeah. to sometimes 26 episodes a season. It's just too many. It's, it's just too, too much. much. <laughs> We're, like, and, and we are living in an era where there's just like, it shouldn't be that way anymore. And like, and honestly, like I love like the FX A and E or uh, like AMC model where you just have 10 episode seasons. Like mm-hmm. ten, 10 is just like, it's such a perfect round number. Like there's a story that can be constructed in there. Yeah. Uh, and obviously there are a lot of brilliant shows that are that keep it to 10 episodes a season, by the way, one of them being Rick and Morty. Uh, All right, so, Eric. Yeah. 
18 just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm driving that point home I'm, I'm, I'm making it very real uh, but so I mean like I, I really like that is something I mean that's not just something that, I mean well I was gonna say it's not something that Marvel Netflix should consider because as mentioned dead yeah. but um Everybody should consider every single like content mm-hmm. producer in this industry like should consider like is it really worth doing this like extra wheel spinning uh, that is going to hamper pretty much every single thing that's out there when uh, instead you could just like use your resources in a better way. Yeah. So, OK. Yeah. You said you're going to definitely check out Jessica Jones season three. Yeah. Apparently, the showrunner and uh, creator Melissa Rosenberg implied on Twitter that we haven't seen the last of Kilgrave. Believe it or not, he showed up in season two as like a hallucination <laughs> or something of Jessica's. Uh-huh. Um, do you want him to continue to being a, a figment of her imagination? Do you think they should do something else with him? How? I, I feel like it's too much at this point. Here's what I'll say. Okay. And, uh, like, I, I, is like. Like I said, I think Jessica Jones season one is great. Mm-hmm. The I just I don't like the fact that she kills him in the end. For starters, uh, it does kind of disrupt the entire narrative of the show because like so many so many episodes of that show are just like I can't Jessica Jones saying I can't kill him, I can't kill him, I can't kill him because like various things that he has like set up, uh, and then at the end she kills him and like. The thing that I truly, truly wish, and I think this is even something that we might have discussed on the Cord Cutters podcast at some point. Probably. Uh, is that I wish she just ripped his jaw off. So he like, couldn't say stuff and he control people. Yeah, That literally is his entire power. Or like, even if, you, if you're not going to go as graphic as ripping a jaw off, and uh, we're going to be talking a bit about Gotham in a minute, so we'll, we'll, get, <laughs> we'll, we'll, get into, we'll get into graphic violence. But like, rip his tongue out or something. Like, yeah. literally, like, you don't have yeah, to Yeah, because completely... that's not graphic. <laughs> it's less graphic than literally gra- grabbing on someone's mandible bone and pulling. But uh, like, I mean... <laughs> And the point is, though, is that like you really just didn't need to kill Kilgrave. You just no. needed to take away his. Pa- you just needed to take away his power. And like honestly, that's like even from a character perspective. Like if season two had also like dedicated any amount of time to like what Kilgrave's life is like uh, when he's he can't when people don't do everything that he says uh, because like that was something that I found really interesting about his character in season one is the fact that like. He obviously is a remarkably horrible, disgusting, evil person. However, he's also a person who hasn't known a life outside of people doing exactly what he wants. And that's going to change your perspective. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of changing that up where he can't get people to do anything for him would have been potentially interesting. However, instead... I, you just killed him the only way to bring him back. And then brought is, him back the only way they yeah. could, which is as a hallucination, which is kind of like a played out idea, I think. I mean, it, makes, I mean, it I, does sort of make sense that she would, you know, be haunted by this guy she killed, even though he was terrible. Sure. But I feel like in general, it's kind of a played out idea. Yeah. And I like, and it's, I mean, like, and I was thinking like, maybe they could do a flashback, but I also feel like they covered a lot of like, in in season one, they covered a lot of like flashbacks into the time when like Jessica was being controlled by him. Yeah, they did. So I'm not even sure how much that would actually like, I think, I feel like Kilgrave's story, like outside of the influence that it had on Jessica is pretty much told, which. It would be interesting if we don't actually see Kilgrave, but what we see is just another guy who happens to look like him who's played by David Tennant. <laughs> which yeah, would, which would also that. freak sure. her out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Now, 
We've talked before on the show about how we've tapped out of a lot of the, um, you know, superhero TV shows. You, Eric, have actually caught up on Gotham. I stopped watching in early, like early in the third season, I think. I just kind of got Uh fed up. (laughs) So I stopped watching. Tell me why I should catch up. And the show is now in its fifth and final season and like halfway through the fifth season or something like that, right? It is. It just aired. The, I believe it just aired the sixth episode of its uh, twelve episode season uh, okay. this year. And I frankly, that's part of reason alone. I think, in my opinion, to try and catch up. It's one. It's one of the reasons that I was certainly motivated uh, to catch up, knowing that the show was coming to an end. Uh, and I will. And I actually tapped out originally around the same time as you. I think it was actually literally at the mid season break of season three, okay. uh, where I just kind of. And actually, that was actually a time when I just kind of stopped watching. Like I stopped watching all the Arrowverse shows at that time too, yeah. just because yeah, like it, it's a, it's a lot. It was it a really lot. Is. Like it was literally like five nights a week. I was getting uh, these episodes of the show, and there was so much else to watch. And obviously, I watched quite a lot of movies uh, for like it's as part of my job. So like I had to like scale back in some way and. And that basically my version of scaling back was saying like DC TV back burner. Uh, the problem that like the problem with that approach and it's my own fault is that like while uh, the Arrowverse shows like fell off a cliff quality wise, like <laughs> Arrow, Arrow season four is just so incomprehensibly bad. I just it's even hard to fathom. But uh, I've always enjoyed Gotham. Like I, season one, like it had it has like some stupid issues just because I think it is one of those things where it's trying to figure out what it's what it what wants it's going to gonna be. be. Yeah, and it was like very procedural and like it had this weird habit of like locking characters in like specific rooms. Like you have like Barbara Keene would only be would only be in, in her apartment. apartment. Yeah, that was like exclusively her place, and you have like the Edward Nigma. I had not exclusively, even noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, you're 100%. right. And, <laughs> and, and Edward Nigma was only in the crime lab yeah. at, uh, at, at Gotham Central. So, like, but fortunately, they moved on that beyond that and decided basically to just go completely insane with it. Yeah. And, like, and uh, since season three, uh, it has only gotten way more insane. And honestly, That's it's just true. like. The, the appreciation that I have, uh, that I've grown for it, and like I said, uh, like basically for my rewatch, I didn't go back to watch season one and two because I watched them in their entirety. I decided to start at season three, uh, watch up until uh, the most recent episode, mm-hmm. and they are just doing some weird, wild stuff on that show, and that I just, <laughs> I am so there for. Like, I mean, like one thing, for example, that I just did not see coming at all is uh, for like the first three seasons, you have this character, Butch Gilzine, who was like at first introduced. Oh, yeah. Like a henchman for uh, the penguin, and uh, at the end of season four, they suddenly made a decision to kill him, which is something that I'll get into in in another minute. Uh, But also reveal that his real name is not Butch Gilzine, but in fact Cyrus Gold, which is the original name of Solomon Grundy. Uh, And then he gets like dumped in a like toxic waste swamp and comes back as Solomon Grundy, and it's fantastic. (laughs) It is so well done, and like the makeup. Up is great and the performance is fantastic. I'm totally blanking on his name right now. Uh, it's uh, Drew Powell is the is the actor's name. Okay, uh, and he's been and it, like it, it's just a really cool version of the character. And honestly, they've been doing a lot of that too. Like uh, Corey Michael Smith as the Riddler, Edward mm-hmm. Nigma, uh has always been uh, like I, I've always really enjoyed his presence on the show. Yeah. but they've also now gave him kind of this like split identity where like there is part of him is still Ed, but like he has this split identity as the Riddler who has 
just a complete obsession with being the smartest man in the room and like killing people mm-hmm. he views to be inferior. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we saw well, yeah. we saw some of that come out. Um, when he started dating that lady and then ended up killing her and dismembering her and burying her and getting caught and all that kind of stuff. That's yep. when that started to really show up. Exactly. And then, and then it, like, it's, it's gone even further than that now. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's extended into some really weird and wild stuff. And like, the, and I will say the costuming is also great for the red light. Like, like Corey Michael Smith could actually really pull off that bowler hat and uh, green jacket. Uh, I will quickly, like, going back to what I, the point that I wanted to make earlier, though, about uh, the death of Butch Gilzine, is one of my favorite things about Gotham is that it kills its characters with no abandon and brings them back with no abandon. That is true. Like, every single character, like, I've seen, like, if, I, if you were to go through the entire cast Every I think every single person has died, with the exception of maybe like Harvey Bullock, uh, the Donald Lowe character. Uh, I think everybody has died at least once and then, and then come back. Even it's, Bruce uh, has Bruce actually has Bruce come back. I know Matt, he had a twin okay. at one point. He did have a twin at one point, which is this whole uh, <laughs> like actually, oh, it's a clone. But that, okay. whole, I mean, yeah, like Hugo Strange has this whole uh, like big plotline. And also, I will say like uh, one thing that I never really liked about Gotham, and like I, I'm not gonna, I'm trying not to be insulting, but uh, like Jada Pinkett Smith's uh, Fish Mooney. You didn't like Fish Mooney. <laughs> I never did. I I, I, I thought her, like I thought her performance was kind of all over the place, and even in a show as over the top as Gotham, like it still just seemed a little bit too arch. Uh so like and. Like she does come back in season three, yes, she uh, does. literally a couple times. Um, like she actually like resurrected. She dies, comes back, dies, mm-hmm. come back. I, 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 I'm trying not to spoil anything, just for like those of you who are going to come back to the show. And so I'm trying to keep these details vague and just, but at the same time, trying to get you guys uh, engaged if you have fallen behind. But uh, you know, but it, it's just it's such a weird like ridiculous show and like and like I said it just appreciate that it leans into it and like most in the most recent season what they're dealing with now is uh there's been this huge terrorist attack orchestrated by uh the Joker and Raza Ghoul so the entire like Gotham has actually become a uh Did, military st- like okay didn't the, I thought the city had gotten like cut off from the rest of the world or something like that somehow yep. and so exactly, everybody's yeah, like, just stuck in Gotham Yep, and like all, and like the city is entirely divided into like ganglands. So yeah, you have, you have like the Scarecrow District and the Penguin District, and it's all. We I haven't even mentioned uh, like Penguin, who has also just been like for all the drama that that guys and like the the like allegiances and like the adversary adversarial relationships are so all over the place. It's like you can't even really keep track of it, but it's so entertaining all the same way, just because the characters are so engaging mm-hmm. and like where they are now, and which is like uh, basically an adaptation of no man's land. Uh, like it is just a villain free for all, which is kind of what Gotham has been trying and has been leaning into for uh, the longest time, just because yeah. like it said that it wasn't going to have uh, Batman. It was just going to have James Gordon. And yeah, it has uh, definitely uh, made the villains, the kind of stars of the show. And it is, uh, Weird, wacky, wonderful, and wild. It's, uh, yeah, I, I have to say, like, I've had, like, I, I've, I'm honestly surprised how much fun I've had catching up back up on this show. Okay. Maybe I'll check it out. Is it, a, I think it's, I think they show it on Hulu, right? 
Uh, the first four seasons are all available on uh, Netflix right now. Okay. The fifth season is on Hulu, or is on Hulu. But I should note for all of you that episodes are expiring. So the first episode has already been taken off. I don't know how long the second episode is going to be on there. I don't know why they're doing it. It is a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> however, uh, but this is what I've been learning in my catch up. If you do, however, if there is an episode on Hulu that you can't catch, uh. The good news is is that you can actually still buy episodes. Uh, I'm, I think on iTunes and and the Google Store. So uh, All right. if and it's only like two bucks an episode. So okay, yeah, if you really maybe I'll step back in, even though the Joker not Joker thing kind of annoys me just hearing about it. Hey, well I, I won't give it. No, actually, well the Joker has progressed a long way from where it is from where it started uh, just with uh, Jerome. Jerome and uh, and it's. Taking some interesting twists and turns that, again, I don't want to spoil just because, like, they are actually really cool turns. And, like, okay. the way that the Joker is currently operating in the show, it's the Joker. Like, Cameron Monaghan's performance is, mm-hmm. like, legitimately become one of my favorite uh, interpretations of the character oh, okay. for what it's worth. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Eric, that's it for us. What do you have coming up? You've got something to tease, right? I do. I have something very, very exciting to tease for you here of Lend Listeners, which is earlier this week, and I mentioned I mentioned this last week, uh, I did uh, a uh, press day, a home video press day for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and part of that included a sit-down with the directors of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Rodney Rothman, Peter Ramsey, and Peter mm-hmm. Persichetti, and uh, fortunately, uh, they were kind enough to let me uh, do the interview as part of the podcast, so next week we will be airing the interview in its entirety here on the podcast and discussing it at length so cool awesome stuff yeah yeah okay guys be sure to subscribe to hero blend on itunes make sure you drop us a review give us compliments ask us questions (laughs) you can also hit us up on twitter at hero blend and you know compliment us there or ask us questions there if you do that we might read your question or compliment on the show next time okay that's all for us this week guys Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next time.